Welcome to Calvary's small group curriculum for our eight-week fall teaching series, Calvary Next. This is the audio version of the video teaching for our small groups. Please go to calvarywestlake.org forward slash next to access the video, group discussion guide, and daily devotionals for each week. Now, here's session seven. Session seven, we continue with our core values with Pastor Brian Howard and Troy Thornton, our development pastor. You know, when we look at Acts chapter 20, what we see is Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian church, the Ephesian elders. And he gives them this speech before he leaves that I think will be instructive for us as we think about our church going forward. He says in verse 20, he says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So I want you to notice here how Paul describes his ministry. He describes his ministry as going from house to house, declaring repentance and faith in Jesus. What Paul is modeling for us is a kind of intentional evangelism that I think we should all take to heart as we go forward as a church and as individuals. See, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in or church culture, but for me growing up, the message that I kind of received was that my job in evangelism was to live a really good Christian life. It was to be a really moral, and upstanding Christian kid um, who would try to follow Jesus in all the ways I could. And then if someone asked me why I was so different, then and only then would I share about my faith in Jesus. And so really what it became is a passive sort of waiting for people to ask about my faith. And then I would go share about Jesus. And I'm certain that's not what people meant it to be, but that's how I received it over the years that I was supposed to wait for people to ask me. But Paula models something very different for us. Us here. You'll notice in verse 20, it says he goes house to house. There's an intentionality where he is seeking people out and proactively looking for opportunities to share the gospel. As we move forward into 2030, one of the values for our church is that we would believe uh, as a people that found people find people. That because Jesus has found and rescued and saved us, we're not going to wait for other people to come approach us about our faith, but rather we're going to be intentional. We're going to be proactive. We're going to tell people about Jesus. In our day-to-day -day conversations, we're going to be the type of people who don't pray like Christians at church, but then live like functional atheists everywhere else. That in our normal, everyday, ordinary conversations, we would weave God into it, sharing about who he is and what he's done. That we would tell people our testimony, that we would share about the good news of Jesus, and that we would be intentional about inviting people to come to church with us. See, found people, find people is about being intentional. It's about being proactive with our evangelism. It's not about waiting people to, for people to come to church or to come to us. Us. It's about going and finding the people who are far from God. Jesus summarizes his ministry in this way. He says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Like in other words, Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. Jesus, the son of man came to seek them out and to save them. And we should have the same heartbeat. You see, when we are seeking after people who are far from God, when we are seeking after the lost, we are becoming more like Jesus who built his entire life around doing exactly that. He continues on this way in verse 35. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Like in other words, Paul, who is a preacher, who is calling people to repentance and faith in Jesus, has this burden, and that is the burden that the church would be an advocate, a help, a resource to the weak. 
to those who are in need, to those who are vulnerable, to those who are on the margins of the society, that the church would be the type of place where those who are weak and in need would find hope and healing in Jesus. This is the passion that Paul has and the passion he wants to leave with the Ephesian church. And it's the same passion we must have as we go forward into 2030. You see, one of the new core values that we're gonna be talking about here as we go forward is that saved people serve people. That because I'm saved by Jesus, my mission and my passion in life must be to serve. Just as Jesus served me, I turn around and serve others. And of course, that's gonna happen in programs and different ministries we have here where you can serve and volunteer on our campus and our community and all around the world. But I think that really begins for all of us in the most basic and mundane places of life. It begins with our marriage and serving our spouse. It means serving our children and pouring ourselves out for their sake. It's serving our neighbors and our friends. It's something as simple as sending an encouraging text or holding a door open or something as big as helping someone move or helping out with a project at work where you can step in and help someone and serve them just as Jesus served us. You see, when I do this, when I serve someone, when I help them, when I'm generous with them, when I step in to meet a need, just like Paul is calling the Ephesian church to do, I'm becoming more like Jesus who served us. Listen, save people, serve people. And then Paul goes on this way in verse 35, the last part of his speech we'll look at. It says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, this is one of these fascinating verses in scripture where the words of Jesus himself are quoted, and yet we don't actually see this verse in the gospels. So what's clear to me is one of two things. Either God revealed this verse, this, this sentence directly to Paul, or Paul learned this from the apostles of Jesus. And whether it came directly to Paul or through the apostles, but not recorded in the Gospels, what is clear is all throughout the Gospels, Jesus has this heartbeat, the heartbeat that it is more blessed to give than to receive, that it is actually a blessing to be the type of person who gives. Now, this word blessed here is the Greek word makarios. And makarios is this word that means happy. It means satisfied. It means the favor and the presence of God is with you. In other words, when I give, not only the person I am giving to benefits, but I benefit as well. And I think that's one of the core things we need to think about when we think about what it means to give as Christians, that not only does the person who is receiving my giving benefit, but I benefit as well. Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I want us to take that verse literally going forward, that the blessing really comes back to us. As we think about giving, we'll go to this final core value that we're talking about here in 2030, and that is that grateful people are giving people. That when we are grateful for what Jesus has done in our life, when we're grateful for every good and perfect gift that comes from the Father above, when we're grateful for the very life and breath that we have each and every morning, we become generous people who are willing to give generously for the sake of people who are around us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And most people get this verse exactly turned around. They think when their heart is in something, their money will follow after. Like if they are passionate about it, they'll give money to it. But Jesus says it's the exact opposite. When I put my money somewhere, my heart will follow after. When I put my money into something, my passion follows after. And so that's what we wanna do with our money. We wanna use our money as a tool of discipleship to become more like Jesus. So that every time I invest in what God is 
is doing, my heart grows closer to the things God is passionate about. Now, of course, this is going to mean us giving regularly and faithfully and generously to the work of God's church. I believe that's an act of obedience that we are called to do, and it's something my family has decided to do all throughout our lives, to give generously and faithfully to the local church. But I think to be someone who says a grateful person is a giving person means more than that. It means that we make giving part of our lifestyle. It's that we make it part of our budget each and every month where we set aside money to give to people who are going on mission trips, to crisis and disaster relief, to give to someone who just needs a little bit more to get through the month. One of the disciplines my wife and I started years ago was we took an entirely different bank account, an online account, and started putting money into that each time we had a little extra. And we would use that money to meet needs, to send people on mission trips, to bless people outside over and above our normal giving. This has been a blessing, not only for the people that money has gone to, but it's been a blessing for my family to be able to give because the words of Jesus say it is more blessed to give than to receive. And here's what you can believe, that we we are never more like God and we are never living and loving more like Jesus than when we choose to give generously. Thanks for that, Brian. Yeah. You know, let's ask this question to start our conversation. So what are some baby steps you think yeah. to kind of, um, to your point earlier in your teaching about being intentional and purposeful, yeah. Yeah. what are some ways we could do that as individuals or even as a group? For me personally, looking at it from through my own lens, the challenge is making the time and the effort just to spend time with people yeah. that mm -hmm. don't know Christ. Yeah. As an individual who works here, yeah. as all three yeah. of us do, you can really get in this bubble. Yeah. Call it the holy huddle. Yeah, yeah. the holy huddle. That's <laughs> right. We're having one right now. Um, we can really get into a bubble yeah. and not really have a lot of contact with people who don't know Christ. Yeah. You and I, Carolyn, both come from the marketplace to ministry. That's the biggest challenge yeah, for me absolutely. personally in mm, ministry right. is making time and effort for relationships with people who don't know Christ because it doesn't happen as naturally because you're not in the workplace where, right. where you're around people and culture. So I think it's just making the effort to intentionally love people and, and then actually saying something about the gospel. Yeah, uh, and I would love to see our church use invites to a Sunday service, to a, to a weekend service as a tool, rather than, like you said, the box you check off and then move on. Yeah. It's just a tool to keep the right. conversation about Jesus going. I think some of the fear factor can be lessened when you invite them. Maybe inviting them to church feels a, like a high bar for mm -hmm. someone who's far from God, or have had some issues around church or Christians. Maybe you start out with you know events like our 4th of July, That's right, yeah. or something sure. where it's broader for the community where it's not as threatening. But to your point, Troy, it, you know, not being in the workplace where you're you're constantly around um, non-Christians yeah. or even back when my kids were in um, public schools the whole time. So sure. I had all those parents. Yeah, so that was kind of my yeah, environment yeah. for that. I, I think to be intentional and to look for those places, um, even in their workplaces or their neighborhoods to, as a starting point, yeah, right? Yeah. And the goal can't be bring them to church and no. then, you know, wait for Sean or Brian to get them. Right. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. and why, yeah. why? So it's all on you then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and really, we're all equipped with the gospel. We're all equipped right. with the Holy Spirit. And our job is to walk with people, to bring them in. And, and, and really, I've always said evangelism is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. Mm -hmm. We're all in this together. And the goal isn't you or you or any of you going out to your individual workplaces or families and saving people on your own. That, that never happens in the first place. What happens is through the Holy Spirit of God and through God's people, together we see people come into God's family. And that's a really beautiful thing that we do as a community, not just as individuals. Well, I think people are also afraid 
um, th- that they don't know the answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah. They don't know what to say. It's not rocket surgery. The gospel is a simple message. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a wonderful message. But it's it's simple things to do just to get conversations going. And if you don't know the answer, I think it's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But I can find out yeah. or, or, or those kind of things. And that's why I think there is this proclivity to hand it over to the pro, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you're a pastor. You went to seminary. Here you yeah. go. And I think that truly the 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 most impactful yeah. gospel messages come from people that people know yep. and people look at and go he's a guy just like me or she's a right. lady just yeah. like me and, and I think that that's the key to the to the whole deal yeah in Acts chapter one Jesus says you will be my witnesses right and I love that he doesn't say you'll be my experts he right. says you'll be my witnesses exactly. and so an expert gets up on the stand and knows everything there is to know but a witness just says here's what I know here's what I saw. right here's what I saw here's what I experienced and, and I hope for all of us we could know that Jesus simply calls you to be a witness uh, and you witness to what you know. And if someone stumps you with a question that you can't quite answer, the gospel is not ruined. God is not uh, scared. Um, The Holy (laughs) Spirit can move right through that. And and so I would encourage us not to be afraid because we're not experts, just to be faithful as witnesses. And and we all have a story, right? You know, teaching and disciples path on occasion, we talk about this topic and I tell people, everybody's got a story. Yeah. Tell them your story and then tell them what it means to you. That's right. If it hasn't made a difference in your life, then what's the point, yeah. right? right. Yeah. So tell them what it means to you. What's it done for your life? And what's it done uh, in you and in your family's life? And I think that that's the important piece of it because that's what people want to see. Yeah. Have you had an experience of doing that, Troy? Of, of telling people what it means for to me? For your story, yeah. Yeah, certainly. I, I, I used to be in business before I, I came to Calvary and I had some guys that worked with me. And it's kind of interesting. I had a guy one time I'll never forget, and he's now a believer. And it's sort of interesting. Years later, he's become mm-hmm. a believer since we've lived here in California. But I remember we worked together and we traveled a lot together. And one day we're in a rental car as we landed somewhere to, to do some business. And I, don't, I talked to him a little bit about the gospel and what I believed. And, and he kind of knew where I stood. And they knew I was very active at my church and things. And he goes, okay, give me your spiel. <laughs> Literally, we're in a rental car. I'm driving. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, your God thing. <laughs> and he said, like, go ahead, lay it on me. And we'd known each other a couple of years at this point. I said, well, I don't really have a spiel. And and he gave me a, a, a list of things that he did in his life he didn't want to stop. I'm not stopping yeah. this. I'm not yeah. stopping yep. that. Yep. I'm not stopping that. So I'm, I didn't say you have to. Mm-hmm. This this is a decision you make about Jesus and and whether you believe in the claims of Christ or not. And it will make a difference in your life because if if you become more like Christ, you're going to be a better husband. Yeah. You're going to be a better dad. And I in my own life, I see that. And and the good things that I do as a husband or a dad or anything I do, it's all because of him, really, in yeah. my life. This has only been about four years ago. He texted me, and you know, he's, an, he's like me, an ex-military guy, where some of them are a few words. And he texted me, says, I believe like you do now. Mm. Mm. And Beautiful. he's now an active guy in his church and a yeah. leader in his church. And it's just, he had to see is this real? And is this going to make a difference in my life? Sure. And of course, had to have the Holy Spirit work in his heart too. And, and two things I love about that story. One is that you were willing to speak, right? Sure. You said about Jesus, you used the name of the Savior. And the second is that you were patient. It took time. Yes. Oh, this yeah. didn't happen right yeah. away. And I think so often in evangelism conversations, we want a Paul on the Damascus Road com- com- conversion, right? Where boom, it happens in a moment. But more often, I, I think it's like Peter. So Peter kind of follows Jesus and then falls away and isn't sure and denies him. It's kind of this complicated road, but obviously he ends up a man of faith. And I think that's the story for a lot of people. And if we can have that patience, we'll see the Holy Spirit do amazing things. Yeah, and people's lives are messy. Yeah, 
know, our lives are messy, Same. and you got to be willing yeah. to be okay with it. You yeah. know, I, and that's the beauty of it. I think that process, right? You plant the seed, somebody else waters it. Who sure. knows what other people? Yeah. Yep. And ultimately. It's God's, yeah, God's it's the Holy Spirit to, right. to move, but it's yeah. our job to show yeah. up yeah. and be ready. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Yeah. Great story. Sure. Let's talk about giving, which is near and dear to your heart. Sure. <laughs> Should be near and dear to all of our yeah. hearts, sure. yes. Um, but uh, Troy, especially as the pastor of development, like this is a piece that um, you oversee so well for us. Um, Brian talked about the joy and the blessing of giving. And we know this, we, we say this, we've experienced this. What is the obstacle for why um, we don't do this better or more? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think the obvious obstacle is, 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 I think is we have to understand that it all is God's anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, Psalms yeah. tells us that the earth and right. everything in it yep. is the Lord's. And we as human beings, we as believers, we want to look at all this stuff as our stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's his, and and we are stewards of it. So I think that's the big hurdle is understanding this is God's stuff. Mm -hmm. I also think you know Brian talked about that the blessing is on the giver as much as it is on those that receive whatever yeah. has been given. And I think that we look at the blessing sometimes wrong in that we're looking for okay if I give this much money maybe God's going to bless me with yeah. a boat. Yeah, you know, like a cause and effect. And, and there's this <laughs> give, and okay, I'm going to get back this. I think the certainly the, the blessing is a spiritual thing, mm. and yes. it, it is all yeah. about our walk, and it all helps us depend more on God. Yeah, that's right. Because if I give it away, yeah. I'm depending on God to give me more yeah. to supply my needs. And and there's a such a trust factor in that walk down the road of learning to be generous givers and consistent givers. I think the challenge, you know, is just to challenge yourself to grow it. Yeah. Um, Rick Fusilier, who works in me, and you guys know Rick, and, and many people here in our congregation know Rick, we work together in, in the concept of, of stewardship and development as well as overseeing finance here together at Calvary. And he has this thing he calls the Ralph's plan <laughs> of getting in the game of giving, as he says it, but beginning to give, because many folks just, okay, what do I do? How do I start this? Mm -hmm. His Ralph's plan is the minimum amount you can get at Ralph's when you swipe your debit card and pay cash oh. back is $20. Yeah. If you were to take that $20 and do that once a month, hmm. yeah. give it to Calvary, give it to the yeah. church and, and all the things that we're doing, that $20 a month. And then after you do that a while, grow it by doing it twice a month. Using that cash back thing at Ralph's for that $20 yeah. just to get your generosity giving muscles that we all have as believers yeah. going. Yep. And the examples in scripture are that we we grow it yeah. and then it becomes, to, it, it does become sacrificial yep. to us. Yep. I think some practical tools that like Brian said this earlier in his teaching would, would be plan for it. Yeah. You know, and I think it's actually biblical. If you look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it actually yep. talks about setting aside That's right. yeah, at the beginning, the beginning of, of the week, week. Yep. Mm -hmm. for your giving. Yep. I think planning for it and yep. budgeting for it, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. It can be as simple as, okay, I'm going to set aside this, this yeah. certain amount. Yep. And maybe you do it in cash. Maybe you do it by just a bank account yeah, like that. Yeah. But I think that is just a way of, of how you plan for it. Totally. It's yep. not about giving to Calvary because we need it. I mean, obviously we do because that's the only right. way we do anything we do is by people's generosity and mm -hmm. giving toward toward the kingdom work we do. You'll hear from time to time when I do say things uh, from the platform, when I do financial updates, that we talk about all in. Right. And it's not yeah. all in as in give us everything you got. It's all in as the entire body together exercising yeah. this giving muscle and this spiritual discipline so that we're all a part of this and we're all vested yeah. in the kingdom work that God is doing. 
you, know, you use this word investment, and, and I think giving is, is similar when Jesus says, where my money is, my heart goes also. I think of an investment, if I invested in a single stock, I might not care about that stock at all, but now that I'm invested in it, if it goes up, I'm happy, and if it goes down, I'm sad, and why is that the case? Because my treasure's there. Right, sure. So because my treasure's there, my heart is following after this random stock that I used to not care about. Yeah. And so I think when I put my treasure into the work of God, whether it be here at Calvary or in missions or, or with serving the poor, my heart is drawn toward the things of the Lord, and that's what it means to be all in. Thank you for listening. Please go to calvarywestlake.org forward slash next to access additional resources.